Hi, this is Andy Peck, the host of The Leadership Show. We are into a season where we're delving into the archive of shows which had the top downloads from the podcast version of the show. This week, we're replaying a show with Neil Bennett, who was looking particularly at worship that honours God. It was first broadcast in February 2020. I trust you'll enjoy it. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes to help you lead your life well and enable others to flourish. I'm Andy Peck, your host of some 700 plus shows now, many available on archive via Premier or iTunes. Great that you could join us, and especially this week, as we look at a topic which is key for us all. Worship is so key to a Christian's life, we even call our gatherings worship services. In Scripture, worship encompasses the whole of life devoted to God. But this week, we'll be focusing upon what we especially happens as we gather as local churches, and the language we use, and whether this fits with what the Bible encourages us to use. So to help us in our thinking, I'm delighted to be joined by Neil Bennett. Neil is the CEO of the Worship Foundation. He's an experienced worship leader himself, has written uh, worship songs you may well have sung and co-author of Now to Him with Simon Ponsonby. He's contributed to New Wine over many years, including seminars uh, on this theme at this last year's event uh, in Peterborough. So welcome, Neil, to Leadership Farm. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's good to be with you. Uh, so your, your journey into worship leadership, first of all, perhaps? Ah, well, there you go. I've um, yeah, I've been involved in worship of some sort for around 40 years. So um, quite a long time ago, uh, in my sort of teen years, like a lot of people that age, we started to get guitars and, you know, we would go to the normal service where they sung hymns and then we'd go off into the youth group and, and play some of the new songs that were, were, were sort of rising up in in parts of the church at that time. So that's where it sort of started um, in my teen years. And then um, I went to university in Norwich and got involved in a chaplaincy there uh, and then started to started to lead worship in a way that maybe is more recognisable uh, to, to the way uh, lots of people lead these days um, and been involved in various churches since then. But that was, yeah, yeah that was my formation time was... Um, late 70s early 80s uh, in my youth group yeah excellent and, and which uh, songs might be might be best known that you've sung or that people tell you that are best known there's one called oh perfect love one called i think some people uh, i've heard people sing uh the king is come is another one i co-wrote oh, yeah. that with a friend of mine called yeah, yeah. owen heaslip um uh, name above all names speak to this heart great redeemer which was actually a, a rehash of over a thousand tongues to sing of yeah so a few um i haven't been a prolific songwriter um i've probably got five or six that people would still sing but um i don't think that's been my major gift to the church <laughs> right no well sure but i'm thrilled thrilled with the ones that you, you you've written certainly now okay. let's, let's look at the language we use when we speak of worship in our church gathering and this was mm. something that i felt really found really helpful in the seminar you, you led a, a new wine all the seminars uh, the lyrics of some songs and the ad lib of some worship leaders seem to imply that the worship gathering, whether a church service or conference or festival, is the place where God is present and our, our praise and worship has a kind of attracting quality. 
Um, mm. And you've, you've thought through this. Uh, so what? How, how do you think we should talk about God's presence with us when we gather? Uh, and what yeah. language is perhaps less helpful? Okay, well, I, th- I think um, sort of backing up a little bit of what brought me to that point was that having led worship for maybe uh, 25, 30 years or 40 years, um, I then had some time out when I, I finished my theology masters. And so I actually got to spend a, a lot of time thinking very carefully about some of this stuff. And, and um, it wasn't that uh, I wanted to question the experience because the experiences of it, that I'd, I'd had in worship and many have in worship which are, are wonderful I, I want to acknowledge those and say that they're, they're amazing but what I began to feel like was that we hadn't reflected theologically in a lot of the experience and it sort of came to a head I do a lot of one-to-one coaching and I would I would often have a conversation like this with a, a worship leader it went something like he'd say I'm exhausted um, if I don't do my job right on Sunday and God doesn't show up I get into trouble on Monday. Oh gracious! And I, th- and, and I thought, wow, that's a that's a really interesting and quite worrying thing for, yes. for someone to have to deal with. My word! And I think yes. really what, what's happened is that we 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 grew up um, in this charismatic contemporary worship movement. We had wonderful experiences, and we started to put language to it that wasn't really very well thought through. But eventually, that language became a theology and then that theology affected practice and eventually affected people and I sort of thought well, actually we need to go back and reflect theologically about some of this language if we're going to move forward in a healthy way and so there were some of those phrases that, that I, I just questioned you know that, that that sort of phrase that when we sing and gather God shows up and in one sense we know what it means uh, we, we do experience God in a very spe- special and profound way but to say that he showed up sort of says, well, he wasn't there when we started. And yes. does, he, does he leave when we finish? <laughs> and so, um, or, or other phrases around that. So the other one that quite often is used is, you know, the worship leader leads people into the presence of God, which, again, is, is quite a, a big weight to put on a, a person at the front of the church with a guitar. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about that language. And, and, fine, and I actually landed that, some of that, I think, is um, whereas it sort of helps describe an experience, it was not helpful language, and it was um, really need addressing. And I think it's um, a lot of that sort of God showed up is 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 Old Testament language because actually God's uh, the way God revealed Himself to His people in the Old Testament is very different. He did show up in a building in Jerusalem, and that was the centre of their worship. But the, the sort of trajectory of that and the way it ends up is that God is present with his people by his spirit so our starting point as the new testament church is not that we want god to show up but actually god is here yes. that's our starting point he's here he's already here and so yeah that was that's very briefly what the what my journey was and so i've, I've been trying to um think carefully very carefully about the language we use and try and encourage others to think carefully about it too so yeah. okay well thank you let's maybe we we could un- unpack a few of the, the phrases and, and just get your take on it and hopefully this will be helpful for those listening particularly well all yeah. of us as we worship and listen to worship leaders but also some in, who are involved in leading christian worship as maybe church leaders or whatever and mm-hmm. and, and have to be careful that the kind of words that they do is so yeah. so there's the, the, the words uh, people talk about manifest Manifest presence, um, yeah. and and God's omnipresence, or so God's being being everywhere. Um, yeah. uh, you know, presumably there is there are times like you've suggested, 
where God is manifestly doing stuff and, um, you know, in revival times and times of mm-hmm. renewal. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as Christians gather, and it's quite evident that stuff's kicking off. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I do think, and of course, I, I absolutely believe that God is uh, moving and working in uh, in His church and amongst His people and in the world all the time. I I, I get that, totally get that. I, th- I think I have wanted to try and think about that phrase "manifest presence" mm-hmm. a bit wider and say, well, um, there's a tendency that we want to see the the dramatic and the physical manifestation when actually God is manifesting His presence his spirit through his people in all sorts of ways right. in every day so you know when someone serves the poor that's it. God's manifesting his presence through people it's, so for me it's been not that I don't like the phrase but I think I want to widen okay no, that's helpful that phrase means. thank you yeah um, so hmm. yeah um, and I think um, again it's uh, normally what people I, th- I think are thinking when they say manifest presence is um particularly these these Old Testament times when God did seem to do um, he, he did come in moments and in people and then seemed to disappear again and that was the way he was communicating his presence in the Old Testament but as I say when you come to the New Testament the narrative, the broad narrative is God is already here, his spirit is already with us and he's working in and through us all the time Right, sure um, and in terms of uh, again the practicalities of a of a worship gathering, um, mm. there's there's often the sense that 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 prior to mission minister, what we call ministry time, uh, it's appropriate to sing to to acknowledge God, um, and again it's almost as if that's a it's almost a clockwork dimension to that, almost like a routine that the churches go through in order for God to to be at work or at least for people to be open to him at work and yeah. maybe maybe there's there's something healthy there maybe it's not what's your feeling about that yeah um so uh i guess we all have our favorite definition of worship and mm. um i always think if you get 20 people in the room you've probably got 30 different opinions already yes. but yes. the um the definition of worship that i tend to I've sort of bought into and landed with is one by Eugene Peterson and Eugene Peterson of course uh, wrote the message translation of the Bible and he says this worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God that's lovely isn't it and when I when I read that I thought yeah that's it that that really works for me so um, when you start to think about worship not as a way of sort of encouraging God into the room when he's not there but actually for us to get our attention back on him yes so we're we're in worship is attending to his presence so we're putting our attention our focus back on him where right, I love so that. many so yeah. many other things get in the way so and then you know just then of course when we're we're more open to what his spirit is doing so for me it's sort of like flipping it on his head it's not we're trying to persuade god into him to do something it's we're aligning ourselves with him right we're yeah. putting our attention back on him and, and allowing him then to move within us and I I, I, I I much prefer that way of sort of speaking about worship so what do you call is that warming up well that's mm, that's you know quite an emotive phrase but in one sense we do need to interrupt our preoccupation with everything else and yes. attend to his presence so worship is a, a really really good way of doing that
many of you listening will be engaged yourself as a, a person within a worship service, but also some of you involved in leading worship. And what kind of language should we be using that's appropriate, connected to the Bible and what God is looking to do and expecting to do uh, amongst us? Um, so uh, perhaps you could talk about this, another another phrase, Neil, and that is that of, of, of so-called thin places, that it's, people describe that it's almost as if there are some places in the world, uh, some buildings even, where where it's easier in, in, in their language for God to, or for us to get to see God or for God to be at work. Oh, well, yes. Um, and funnily enough, this question's come up a number of times recently. I run um, uh, a coaching track for worship pastors uh, around the UK at the moment, and some people are asking about this. What are these thin places? And... I, th- I think it comes from a, a, an idea that when you go to a particular place, for some reason, you sense God is closer there. Mm. And um, so people said, well, can you do a bit of thought? Can you, um, you know, help us understand what this is? And so I did a little bit of study, and I think it came out of a, a Celtic spirituality when uh, you'd have uh, uh, communities who would live together, pray together, rhythms of life and serving the poor in a particular location. And then... At some point, those those places became places of pilgrimage, where you know later in time people would go and they'd 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 sense the presence of God maybe in a way they haven't elsewhere. And I think um, in terms of how, how to reflect theologically on that, my theology has well, God is everywhere and His Spirit is with us wherever we go. So I don't sort of I couldn't get my head around that somehow He was in a special building at a special time in a special place um, in the way that He was in the Old Testament. But I do think some places um, help us become aware of his presence more. That's the language I'd say. Um, If we say worship is uh, the strategy for interrupting our preoccupation with ourselves and Mm. attending his presence, then some places will do that better for us. And even in some of the Celtic um, writing and poems, they would sort of hold that tension. They would say in in their speaking, I'm not sure if... God is more here, or whether it's just easier to see. And right. I think I think it's I think it's it's really great that people have places to go where they experience God's presence in that way. But theologically, I'd say it's not so much that He's more present, but we're more present. Right. If that makes sense. Sure, now that's helpful. And I mean, by a similar token, would you say there was some quotes thick place? In other words, I mean, I've heard folk talk about spiritual oppression in certain areas. Uh, particularly some folk who've who've gone to new areas and they've sensed, you know, something about that. Would would you think again that is legitimate language, or is that also a similar, uh, inappropriate way of of describing it? Because clearly God is there as well. Yes, and um, so this is this is one area where I go. I'm I'm not quite sure I've got the language or the experience to mm. particularly talk about. It. Okay. I can't think of. I mean, and I, I haven't been all over the world. I haven't been to all mm. sorts of places, but I have been to places where it, it would possibly, some people would say, it's very dark. I went mm. um, to Uganda and uh, with a, a, a friend of mine who runs a mission organization, works in the slums in Kampala, and we went past for shacks that were obviously used for um, witchcraft. Mm. And uh, but for me, I, it never felt dark. And I don't know if that's me, just because I'm an unemotional English person who doesn't feel these things, right, right. or or whether it's just that where I've landed, you know, God goes with me everywhere. The thing I'm sure about is He's with me, and wherever I go, His presence is with me. Hmm. Um, 
but other people would speak differently and I, I don't think I have enough experience of their the sort of dark spiritual places to speak much about that I'm afraid no no that's fair my, my sort of my sort of starting point is God is with us and we shouldn't be afraid. <laughs> no, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah. And again, it's a, a very subjective kind of question, but but I think I need to ask it anyway. And that is, you know, if you look at different um, gatherings, uh, you know, in the, within the UK church and the kind of things that may take place, things that happen there in terms of God's, in terms of healing maybe, in terms of, of what people expect um, is, is clearly manifestly very different. And are we to put that down to to temperaments, experience? Or are we to put it down to what, quotes, uh, human beings allow God to do? Um, I'm not saying that one's better than another. I just say saying that it's manifest that there's very, very different kinds of gatherings that take place within Christendom, within the UK church, for example. Um and and whether God is frustrated in some settings, or, or what? What, what? What do you make of the whole scene? <laughs> oh wow! Well, how long have we got? Without um, you know, without naming names, but but you know, oh, just no. in general no, senses. I mean, mm. Generally, I mean, yeah. if I if I was to go back and say um, talk about Toronto, I didn't go to Toronto, but a lot of yes. my friends did, and had an amazing experience of the presence of God, and God was clearly yeah uh, in my mind, doing some stuff there in a particular way, and that's. Um, I want to celebrate that and say thank God for that. And mm. um, I think, though, for for us in every day, it's the danger is we want to try and be the next Toronto. Yes. You know, we want to we want to be the place where everyone wants to come do and do things. I think that's where it gets slightly screwed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, you know, the, for me, it's paramount in your local church. What is God doing in my local church now? And the two words that really um, help me as a worshiper and as a think about our church is is am I fully aware that God is here already and aware of what he's doing amongst us and am I willing to surrender to that those two words awareness and surrender have become quite important for me so I think I think there's there's always a danger if you you want to be the next place that people want to come to right actually what you should, what you should do is what God is doing amongst us now let's just go with that mm. and you know if, if, if it blesses the wider church great but actually let's just focus on on us as a community and what God's doing amongst us um, and I think you know there is a danger when you see other places and I won't m mention names but it's almost like they're setting themselves up to be the next centre where everyone has to go because that's where God is going to be and I, I just think that's all a bit screwy and um, it's when it go, gets all a bit dangerous I think No, well, well said well said thank you so just as we, we close Neil but more positively I mean some folk are maybe anticipating leading worship very soon I mm -hmm. mean A.W. Tozer famously said what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us so what would be the sort of things church leaders would want to impress on the people that they they serve as they prepare for prepare the songs and hymns and whatever they're doing in their worship gathering yeah um, I'll go back to uh, the very first time I led worship at New Wine and for those of you maybe not familiar with New Wine, it's a big family conference. It used to happen in Somerset, now happens in, in Peterborough. But the very first time I led in this, this big venue of thousands of people, and I was being um, mentored by a guy called Scott Underwood, who was a, an American vineyard worship leader. And I was like feeling physically sick at the thought of what I was going to do. 
and he took me to the side room and he said, Neil, this is what we've got to do. We've got to get our eyes, get everyone's eyes on Jesus and leave them there as long as possible. <laughs> and, and I think what, what that sort of has stuck with me. And as mm. I've been reflecting theologically recently, I go back to that. Like, what a great piece of advice. Our role as leaders, we want to just get people's eyes on Jesus. That's what we need to do. That's our role. That's our role. Get people's eyes on Jesus. Oh, that's fabulous. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, how do listeners discover more about your work? You do. You said you do mentoring. You do courses. You do that kind of stuff. What? Talk, talk a little bit about the Worship Foundation as we as we close. Yeah. Well, so the Worship Foundation is, is quite a new charity. It's been going for a couple of years. It's, it's very small, but we, I do. A, we there's two of us now on the on the staff team, and we do a lot of training, teaching, and mentoring. We've got a website, theworshipfoundation.org. You can go on there. Um, I, I tend to write a lot on social media and Facebook and Twitter and things. Um, so yeah, go there, get in touch, and uh, yeah, that's us. Yeah. And and th- this will be for people who are uh, anticipating leading worship themselves, or th- would this be church leaders? Who do you engage well, with most? Well, we do. Uh, I do a lot of work with the diocese in Gloucester, where I'm based, mm-hmm. and that's for uh, uh, worship leaders, worship teams, but also. Um, connecting quite a lot with the church leaders in terms of developing their worship in their local churches um, developing church planting strategies and things like that so yeah we do predominantly it's worship leaders but um, more and more getting involved with with church leaders as well Okay, and this is from an evangelical charismatic background or broader than that? Ah uh, I I don't think we'd say we've got a particular um we don't limit it. I mean, the diocese no. is a very broad uh, spirituality and we get involved with all sorts of different streams. So, um, But mainly my links are in that sort of uh, world, yes. Right, right. And um, and and you've... Uh, I mentioned in my introduction, and I stupidly didn't find the, um, uh, the, the publisher of the book that you wrote with Simon Ponsonby, now to him. So uh, do, can you remind me of the publisher? <laughs> publisher... Oh my word! Oh, you, you can't remember, remember. either. <laughs> um, oh, line, oh, actually, you know, I think it was Line Hudson, but I think then they don't exist anymore. So, oh, okay, so um, that's not very much. Better, no, don't worry. So, so people need to Google that now to hear. Google with, it. Yes. Google yeah. it with Simon Ponsonby, yeah, and you're... probably loads of people trying to get rid of their second-hand copies. <laughs> on Go on. You're, you're very, you're very great. You're very gracious. I'm sure it's an excellent, <laughs> excellent. Time. But it's just yeah, people listen to someone, they think, hey, I'd love to read a bit more about this, and and you know, obviously, if you've written a book. Um, then, then that's that's something to point people to. So that's great news. Mm-hmm. Neil, we're in your debt. This is fabulous stuff, and I, I, I hope, as I say, um, this will help us all think better about um, about how we talk about worship. Because at the end of the day, we want to be honouring to God, um, not just in our worship gatherings, but all of in all of life. And um, uh, you know, we are we are to be worshippers twenty four seven. Um, uh, so thank you for for helping us so helpfully, and um, and for pointing us in the right direction. Uh, no doubt, no doubt, we'll all we'll hear people say things that <laughs> perhaps are less than helpful. But um, you know, we can be, not be the purveyor of that idea, but we can be encouraging others to turn their attention from from themselves to put their attention on God and on Jesus. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. great news. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for listening. Um, this is Andy Peck. Uh, your host of the Leadership File. Uh, do check out the podcast online, at Premier Radio, iTunes or uh, Podbean. Uh, do email me, apec at cwr.org.uk if you've got ideas of 
uh, topics or uh, indeed of guests. I'll be only too pleased to um, to consider those. Um, and may God help you as you seek to lead in his name. As we close the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 